All right. Well, welcome to a little bit. <laughs> a little butter. It's a new. It's, an, it's Paula Dean's cooking show. A little butter. <laughs> We're not gonna get going. Oh man. Twelve thirty. We're still recording this podcast. Oh, okay. <laughs> How's your tooth feel right now, Brad? <laughs> Brad, I think we We have schedules for another day. Our goal on this podcast is to know Jesus better and by the power of his spirit do better so together we can be a little better. Well, welcome to A Little Better. There, I said it. Okay, we've been. This is take one hundred for, <laughs> for our podcast here, but we do welcome you here. Thankfully, you didn't have to slog through all of that. But uh, well, we are here in week. I'm counting it now. Six. Yeah, it is week, six. week number six of eight on Acts of the Church. So, Drew, thanks for bringing us the message. Um, Maybe not the most uplifting message, but why don't you give us your sermon in 60 seconds? Yeah, I mean, I think my first point really just kind of summed it up. The church is going to face opposition, and uh, that's going to come from different angles and different places. Sometimes it's inside the church. It's friendly fire. Sometimes it's from, you know, culture or the world. And sometimes, uh, every time, it, it stems from, you know, our enemy, the, the devil. And so we looked at Stephen and his, him facing opposition and how he responded to it. And he gives us these five um, ways, five things that we can do in the face of opposition. And ultimately, uh, what was so inspiring is that he was willing to give up his life and forgive the people who were opposing him. And so, um, yeah, it was a great, great message on just knowing opposition will come and how to navigate it. Well, um, yeah, it was, for me, it was, it was a heavy message, a challenging message. Um, what did you leave on the table? I mean, I, I, let me also mention that Jason DeGraff is here. I always have to think about this because people watch and they listen. If you're <laughs> listening, you don't know, who, know who's here, but Jason DeGraff is here. Um, and one reason I wanted to bring him in, I felt like this message just teed up so much um, application, so much. There is much to do, you know, in mm-hmm. response to a message like this if we want to get serious about our faith. But before we get there... Um, 25 minutes, what did you leave on the table? Was there more you would have squeezed in? I mean, I think there's always more that I would squeeze in. I I would love to have been able to kind of walk through uh, Stephen's dissertation, those 49 verses, and just kind of talk about like what he's saying in that. Um, I definitely challenge, and if you haven't read those verses, I'd encourage you to do that. Um, I would love to kind of like, you know, teach on that a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then nuance, like I think that I would add a couple things in the application, you know, even Matt Sowens and pre-preach brought up like, Hey, one thing Stephen did that you didn't mention was keep his focus in the, in despite the opposition on Jesus. Right. And so mm-hmm. I, I think there's a lot of nuances you could bring, but really I would love to look at his response. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, I, I would agree with that. That's a long sermon there. And then Paul, later in the book of Acts, gives long sermons as well. Yeah, it and it's very interesting to kind of you know compare them, because Stephen is talking to a Jewish audience. Paul talks to Gentile audiences. Yeah. So these I stories. love that, like when you get to that speech from Stephen in chapter 7, and then some of those ones from Paul, too, you get like, 
a short chapter that summarizes almost all of the Old Testament. So if you're not mm-hmm. familiar with Christianity or like the Jewish foundation of that, it's like, here, Stephen's giving you the background and then pointing you to the Messiah, which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, um, when it comes to this opposition, um, you talked about friendly fire. You talked about the um, fire that comes from outside the church and, and, and from others and demonic fire. But uh, are there times when the opposition is really in response to us being jerks or us not handling the gospel? Well, are, are we too eager to call things opposition that aren't really opposition? Does that happen? That's a great question. I would I would think we are, we go on the opposite side where we just think this is just normal life and we don't see that the opposition that is there. Mm. I, I, I would I would naturally lean this way. Just, this, is, this is life and not seeing the spiritual forces of evil at work in this. Mm. Um, another thing is like when you talk about friendly fire. I I, I didn't have a lot a lot of time to like expound on all the ways that could be. And one of the ways. Um, friendly fire can come is personally, right? Just the the war that wages, James talks about the war that wages inside of you, the battle between the spirit of God and the flesh, your natural propensity to sin versus the spirit of God who's calling you out of that. Like you can have opposition from yourself. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting answer to that question. I really appreciate that because I do think we live in a very secularized, you know, kind of age for us, you know, everything is explainable, you know, so it, we, I, I think you're right. We don't mm-hmm. see or appreciate the spiritual world, you know, as as much as we should. But uh, I'm going to throw it to Jason for the, yeah. you know, yeah, kind of the other say. side of it too. In terms of other times we're calling things opposition yeah. that aren't. Yeah, I think it's it's tough. Like we, you know, Christianity is, and <clears throat> even Judaism was like, here's a group of people who are exiles. So we are followers of God in a world that doesn't follow God. And so how much can we expect the world around us to believe the same things against us or as us? You talked about in your sermon how our enemy isn't the world. It isn't other people, but it's ultimately the devil, you know? And so he uses people and uses wrong and unhealthy, unhelpful ideas to bring destruction. But uh, we can easily attack people instead of address the truth and teach the things that are true and love people with the truth. Yeah, I'm also wondering about what's alike and different between Stephen's time and ours. So Stephen's time, completely marginalized, powerless, speaking truth to power. Here's, you know, you know, um, Rome, everything is arrayed against Christianity. And then fast forward 300 years, Christianity pretty much takes down the Roman Empire, right? I mean, it becomes, you know, an official uh, religion. And today, you know, most of us aren't in fear of our lives, right? Of being stoned mm-hmm. or, you know, executed or jailed, you know, for our faith. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are things that happen. And there's certainly things that happen in other parts of the world. There's Christians around the world mm-hmm. suffering, but we hear that's not the usual persecution we face. And I just wonder, is it easier? How is it different to, you know, defend and share the gospel in a time of prosperity? And how is the opposition different, you know, in a time of prosperity than in a time of I, I think the culture we live in, and I hate using the word like harder, right? Because it's easy to say that. And then you look at Stephen laying down his life. 
what I mean by harder is I think in, in our culture, it's so easy to become apathetic. Mm-hmm. It's so easy because it's, there, there's no danger, right? Right. At some level, you don't even know what's opposing you. Like mm-hmm. for Stephen, it was clear. There was opposition there. And I think for, you know, Christians in like China, for example, they feel persecution all the time. They are opposed for Christianity. And what it does is it makes, it almost draws a line in the sand to say, where do you stand? In America, it's the lines are so blurry that there's Mm -hmm. no like, hey, pick a side or like, hey, do you truly follow Jesus? And I think it it makes it so blurry um, Mm -hmm. where people when you don't face persecution like that, you're never forced with the question, like, would I give my life for Jesus? Do I really believe this? I can just generically believe it and maybe never be challenged in that true belief. When when you're somewhere else, like Stephen, Stephen had to answer the question, do I really believe this enough Mm -hmm. to lay my life down Mm -hmm. for it? Right. What about those blurry lines? You see those today, Jason, as well? Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's not... Most of us aren't going to die for our faith in America. I mean, there there might be a few random people. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, across the globe, you know, you brought this up earlier. I mean, there's a ton of people who are dying for their faith. And so we don't want to look past that with American Christianity to overlook the suffering in the world. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I feel like a a lot of our opposition is going to be social, you know, and that can be significant, you know, whether that's your family relationships or your work relationships. And it could mean even... The ability, you know, the ability to work somewhere or not work somewhere is influenced, or um, what you say, you know, can be taken in uh, different ways. People, neighbors or, or friends, they can distance themselves from you. So that can that can be hard, but it's it's definitely a different level of or a different type of opposition that you're going to face. I also think too that, like, I think we, you know, obviously, when you hear the church will face opposition, we automatically view that as like, ugh. Oh no, I actually think it's an, a, a gift from God mm-hmm. because opposition forces us as Christians to do a couple things. One, it forces us to really question, like, do I believe this? When someone pushes, let me put it to you like this. Okay. I tell people all the time, one of the reasons why I was a really good athlete is because I had two older brothers who would constantly push against me, practice with me, and they were better than me. And Mm. them pushing against me forced me to get better at things. And I think opposition is the same thing in our faith. It forces us to ask the question, wait, why do I believe this? Mm -hmm. And did Jesus really rise from the dead? And is there evidence of that? If we didn't have opposition, I think it would be be at the detriment of the church. Yeah. And... You mentioned a gift. I mean, I think Scott mentioned in pre-preach, you know, hearing of Chinese Christians who yeah. were praying that the American church would face persecution yeah. because we need yeah. it for just those reasons, those clarifying we, we, reasons. We talked about the parable of the souls. You brought it up in your message, Mark chapter 4. And it's interesting, in that passage, he talks about all these different reasons that we fall away from our faith. You know, sometimes we, we're not rooted and so when trouble or persecution comes, then we fall away. But then the next verses right after that say, uh, when uh, we get the carried away by world. the worries of this life and wealth, you know, yeah. so mm-hmm. all of these things, you know, I, I wrestled, I think sometimes I'd say it's actually harder to be a Christian 
when there is no opposition and when life is easy than it is when we are facing opposition. But both can draw us away right. from Christ. And how about whenever when you talk to <clears throat> says, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, and yeah. they don't even know what that means. But yeah. it's the air they breathe, it's what they grew up in, it's just, sure, I went to church. And I mean, Stephen, like you said, had those clear lines. I kind of long for that clarity where yeah. someone is actually hostile to yeah. what I have to say because, okay, we agree that we're in different places. Mm. Let's talk about this. Well, what's the worst thing in, in the world? I think so many people walk around today with a fake fo- safety net, right? Mm-hmm. And they, yeah, I'm a Christian. And they walk around and they never have to use that safety net. Mm-hmm. And, and when they don't have to use it, they don't realize that it's actually not there. Right. But like Christians who are persecuted and face opposition that safety net is the very thing that they cling to. Mm-hmm. They know it's there. The evidence of walking through difficult things has, has proven that. And mm-hmm. I think that's one of the tensions in America is I can claim Christianity and never have to defend it, never mm-hmm. have to like put my belief to the test. I can just claim something that who knows if I actually own it or not. It was, right. inter- it was interesting you brought in your sermon like almost two, two different experiences of is of persecution. One was Stephen, who is being opposed by the Jews, who are saying, like, Jesus isn't the Messiah. You're, like, believing his false faith. And so he dies at the hands of them. And then later in Acts chapter 19, when Paul is preaching in, like, a, a Greek town, is it Antioch, you know, or somewhere around there, and... Um, Ephesus? Or is it Ephesus, yeah. yeah. The riots, yeah. So <clears throat> when, oh, what, riots, what, what, yes, what is threatened for them... <laughs> is the economy, you know? So Christianity is going to be pointing out to unethical things within the world in different economies. I mean, you have the slave trade, you know? So when you oppose that, there's a lot of opposition against Christianity, not necessarily because people don't believe Jesus is God, but because you're stepping on the toes of people's livelihood um, Mm -hmm. that is being earned unethically. And so that can bring you opposition as well. Yeah. Well, listen, uh, like I said, I just felt that this sermon just teed up more application. I mean, or as much application as any sermon does, because, again, challenge to live a life um, spreading the gospel, saturating, we're trying to saturate Rochester with the gospel. That means having to explain and defend the gospel. So, um, Jason, uh, what are some of the pathways available here at Northridge well, especially for someone who just says, all right, you've persuaded me that I need to defend the faith. That terrifies me. I'm clueless. Yeah. I have no idea how to do that. Where would I begin? Mm. What, what help is available? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I would say, I think somebody brought this up in our pre-preach as well, that, hey, questions are good. We all have questions. Like none of us, I mean, the longer I'm a Christian, the more questions I have, you know, they, they just keep coming. So it's, it's like, when you have those questions and seek answers to those questions. And so that, that can come in your community, you know, so whether that's, Hey, I'm going to talk with my campus pastor or I'm going to group leader. Um, so that, that would be one resource. I mean, one of the environments we really encourage people to be part of at Northridge, especially if you're coming back to faith or exploring faith for the first time is our exploring faith environment where we say like any question goes, it doesn't matter whether you believe or you're new to this. Like jump in there and you can get a great foundation for like what is the core of Christianity and why should we believe it. Um, outside of that, we have um, equipped classes that we occasionally offer. Um, we're, we're reevaluating some of those classes right now, but we will offer classes like that in the future. 
we have this podcast that you can listen to mm -hmm. uh, each week. And then we have an equip email that goes out uh, usually on Tuesdays where we offer resources based on the sermon um, and other different topics to kind of help you ground yourself in your faith. And the goal of that email isn't that you're going to read every article or watch every video or listen to every podcast, but you maybe open that up every week and you say, hey, that's a question that I have. I'm going to take out and check out that resource this week. Maybe there's weeks you're like, I don't, none of these things interest me. And other weeks you're like, I'm going to click everyone and listen to everyone because that's my question and I'm wrestling with it. Yeah. Th I, I, think, I think I would well, add to that too. Um, we have, if you're a part of our church, um, we have a database that's not even ours. It's right now media's. Oh yeah, um, definitely. A huge database of all kinds of studies, videos on so many topics. Like I, I would, I would venture to say that right now media probably doesn't like, there's probably not a topic that you might have questions about that they don't have some yeah. form of video or study on it. And so a huge database, almost the Netflix of Christian studies, yeah. um, that you get free access to. Yeah. Yeah, it's and almost... don't forget this podcast that, either. The, I mean, the, 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 uh, the no, quality the link to of... Right now media, but yeah. What's that? I say put, put that link in Right Now Media the, or for... For additional right, resources. Yeah, yeah. So a number of things. Um, if you're not signed up for the Equip email, get that because Jason does a great job yep. of curating. Really great. I mean, he'll point you to podcasts. He'll point you to articles, point you to books, point you, you know, to, you know, to different things there. That's, you know, you know, hugely helpful. You know, yes, we have this podcast and, um, right now media, like he's, it's almost like drinking from a fire hydrant. There is just yeah. so much stuff out there. So I love that we have those resources. If you're part of Northridge church, you can navigate through the church website yeah. to get to right now media as well. But yeah. we'll, we'll put that in there. And I, Brad, I think on this topic, one, one thing that I think it needs to be said is there is a insane amount of resources, materials that are at your disposal. But when it comes to you defending your faith, when it comes to you being rooted in scripture, the church can't want it more for you than you want it for yourself. Mm -hmm. You have to go on a journey. We will walk with you. We will be there to answer your questions as you wrestle through stuff. We will support you, but you have to want it. You have to grow in your faith. We can't do it for you. Yeah but we will walk with you through the journey. Yeah, that is so important. And listen, we get it that it's scary, okay? And yeah. let's tell your community group you're scared. Yeah. <clears throat> Pray for each other, yes. for the faith, for the courage, you know, to um, to bring the gospel This forward. weekend is our parent-child dedication, too. So that talks about the role of the parent in helping lay that foundation for their yeah. kids, too. And I have found some of the most helpful resources, even, you know, I went to seminary, but I'm sitting down reading like a kid's Bible with my kid. And it helps me like get the whole picture of the, the Bible story together in like a more simple form. And so that can be just a great resource too. You get a good, good kid's, kid's Bible or if you, you know, dedicated your kid as a, um, on, on Sunday, you probably got one of those Bibles that you could read with your kid. Yeah, 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 great, great resources. Um, I'm, I'm wondering how, how this will work. I just, I'm thinking about, 
you know, for us, the three of us sitting here, we have no trouble with words. We have no trouble getting up in front of people and talking to people. That's not true for everybody. Uh, it's not true for my wife, for instance, for one. You know, she is not a public speaker, never wants to be a public speaker. But uh, I was just reminded of they will know we are Christians by our love. And just thinking about and it, kind of we've been talking about that in the early chapters of the book of Acts of why people were intrigued by Christianity in the first place because of of what they saw, you know, mm-hmm. what they saw in people's lives, mm-hmm. had them scratching their head, mm-hmm. had had them asking them questions. Why in the world would you give up material possessions? Why in the yeah. world would you, you know, um, serve people who don't even like you? Why in the world? Mm-hmm. You know, so so you know, so those sorts of things. So any other, I mean. It's not about becoming a good arguer, yeah. right? Not about becoming a yeah. good debater. Yeah. But when Jesus impacts our lives, people see stuff they yeah. can't explain. Yeah. And I think that's where it begins. Well, I think people are different. I think, you know, in my experience in ministry, there's, you know, to boil people down into two categories, there are people who are going to be moved by the actions and the love that you give them. And that will be enough to draw them to Jesus. But there's a whole different category of people who look at life through logic and through education and they want evidence, right? I see your love. That's awesome. But that still does just because you love me doesn't mean Jesus rose from the dead. And I think we as Christians have to understand that people are different and they're longing for different things. And we we do need to display that love. They will know us by our love. And so maybe sometimes mm. love is the window to get us through the door to share with people the evidence that we don't just believe a phony, mysterious, mystical faith. Like there is actual practical, logical evidence that points to the truth of Jesus. And I don't think we can pick one side or the other. I think we have to be ready for both. Yeah, I've always wondered if people believe um, the gospel because it's plausible or they believe it because it's desirable. Mm. So you mentioned um, like there are emotional moments, right? Where it's just like where we see, I want this to be true. I want there to be a God who sees and knows and loves me and found a way for me to be with him. I mean, that's desirable, Mm -hmm. but is it plausible. Um, And I think that, you know, I think it needs to be desirable before we, we, you know, (laughs) it's got to be possible. We're not going to argue for the truth of the gospel if people don't even want it to be true. Well, I think a great mistake we can make for people is just making it desirable. Mm-hmm. And not sure. plausible. It has to be yeah. both. Right. We right. have to teach both. Yeah. 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 I think. I think in, in conversation with people who either have questions or they oppose your views too, like there's going to be good questions that are raised. And like I don't, I don't really know the answer to that. And the fear in that moment is like I got to say something, you know. So you're mm-hmm. trying to fumble for an answer to their question, and and I think actually what's most convincing to people isn't just telling them like information, but having a conversation with them. So they ask a question, like you can, you're trying to dodge the question, but you can ask other questions to to ask more and have a dialogue. Mm -hmm. And even if you ask questions, it gives you time to think. And you're like, oh, now I do remember the scripture. Or you can come back later and say, hey, I read this. What what do you think about this? Let's read this together. Let's think Mm -hmm. through this. But I think a a conversational uh, posture is much more uh, 
compelling than yes. like, you're wrong and this is the truth. Yeah, so true. <laughs> and I think that's why Peter says not give an answer to every question someone asks. He says, give, give an answer, be ready to give an answer to the hope you have. Mm-hmm. Because I do believe that one of the greatest evidences to Jesus is the hope he gives you. Mm-hmm. The hope despite awful circumstances, right? That can be the answer to questions people ask is yeah. how you live your life. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think we have to just be ready for both. Yeah, I think some of those lessons, I, I picked them up from you along the way too, Jason, but just, I love that. Have a conversation, mm-hmm. you know, have a conversation, mm-hmm. be curious, Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you... you ask questions, mm-hmm. you know, you're not, you know, jamming something down people's throats, you're genuinely asking, you know, questions, yeah. you know, like I asked the question, so what do you do with the guilt? Mm-hmm. You know, it's just things that, you know, I really want to know, you know, I, I know how I deal with the guilt in mm-hmm. Christ, but, and, um, and to tell your story, mm-hmm. right? Because I, I know it's terrifying sometimes to think that I have to like defend systematic theology of some <laughs> sort, yeah. but if it's, that, it's just like, you know what? I met Jesus, you yeah. know, and this is what he did for me. Yeah. I'm telling yeah. your story. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. And there's always going to be unanswered questions, too. Like, yeah. you know, there are <laughs> things we're always wondering about, and there's <laughs> some things that, you know, are just going to be hard to solve. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, I've loved this conversation. Uh, it just keeps going because there's so much to talk about. So, Drew, thank you, you know, for teeing up something that I think is just so timely and um, so needful. And I, I, it just keeps going through my head. We are here to saturate Rochester with the gospel. We've been, you've been preaching that, yep. you know, for a year. It's just everything here is about advancing the front line of the kingdom. Um, so as you do that, please take advantage of the resources that we have here. Let's, by the power of God, do this together. Well, listen, we'll see you again next week for week seven of Acts of the, wait for it, Church. Church. Church.